invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. I have uh, an impression of the Holy Ghost to speak on a manifestation of the Spirit called special faith, or the gift of faith as some refer to it. I'll start in verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul writing to the church. And remember the, the circumstances, the situation that existed in the church at uh, Corinth. They had uh, all the manifestations of the Spirit in operation, but they were operating in such a way that people would come in from the outside into the church services and leave thinking that this is a crazy bunch of people. They were uh, not cooperating with the Holy Ghost in the manner in which he wanted to manifest himself, although the manifestations were in, uh, in evidence, they were uh, operating. Uh, it was not bringing a blessing to the church that it was intended to bring. So he says in chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, you'll notice I'm reading from the King James, the word gifts is in italics. Anytime you find in the King James translation a word that's in italics, it means the translators added it to help us understand. Literally it reads, Now concerning spirituals, plural, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Well, you could well understand why the translators need to put something else in there because spirituals doesn't mean anything to us. But the word spirituals in the plural literally means things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. Things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. So he says, Now concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. I would submit to you folks that that's the number one area of ignorance in the modern day church. We just go home now if you want to. That is without dispute in my opinion. But now concerning, now here's the Holy Ghost talking about how he operates. He does not want us to be ignorant of things pertaining to and of him. Now he says in verse 4, he says, now there are diversities of gifts. The word gifts here is the word endowments. We might say ministries because he's talking about the ministry uh, of the, the, the Holy Ghost. So he says there are diversities of gifts, power, endowment, or ministries. There are differences of administrations means offices. And then he says in verse 6, and there are diversities of operations. There are some of these things that work in different ways through different people or at different times. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Let me read these again. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. Notice both God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus himself as Lord are in operation regarding the work of the Holy Ghost in the church. Gifts or ministries, manifestations, if you will, are of the Spirit of God. Administrations or offices are of Jesus because he's the builder of the church. And the operation, we might call the power or the, the means by which they operate, is given to us by God. So all three are working together in what Paul is going to inform us about the work of the Holy Ghost or things pertaining to the Holy Ghost. He says in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one it is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That means not everybody's going to have that. But some will. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. If it was something that everybody was going to have, he would say, Now everybody's going to have the word of wisdom. But he didn't. He said, For to one is given. By the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, the Amplified says special faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings, both gifts and healings are in the plural, there's a plurality of gifts when it comes to healing, 
to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues. Literally, it's kinds of tongues, but diverse is a good addition here to let us know that there are different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh. Thank God they all work. But all these worketh, that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally, as he will. Now the word severally mean, can mean a couple of things. It can mean more than one or it can mean specific. So you can, you can uh, translate this verse either way you want to. But the Spirit, all these worketh the one in the self-same Spirit dividing to every man severally. In other words, more than one or specifically according to God's will. I think it's both. Usually when there's a word in Scripture that can be translated both ways, both have an, have a, an impact or an influence on the meaning. I believe in this case they're both right. Now, as I said, the Holy Ghost seemed to impress upon me to speak tonight about the gift of faith. I have no idea why. I haven't taught on the manifestations of the Spirit in a long time. And just out of the blue, I seem to be impressed to speak on the gift of faith. So let's define our terms. What is this gift of faith? I really hate to use that, uh, that terminology. It's the one everybody can relate to. It's the one they're used to hearing. But it's not a gift. It's a manifestation. In other words, it's a, there's a manifestation, a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost in the area of faith. A supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost in the area of faith. Now, in order to, to have an understanding of what that would be, and to talk about it with any kind of level of intelligence or understanding, we're going to have to define faith. Faith on every area, in every area and on every level. Whether it's saving faith, whether it's healing faith, whether it's prospering faith, whether it's special faith, faith on every level works the same way. And that is the revealed will of God, which comes by his word, acted on by you speaking or confessing from your heart. And it produces whatever the will of God has, has been revealed to be. For example, saving faith. Saving faith becomes evident or becomes uh, accessible the Bible says faith comes by hearing, so hear in hearing by the word. So it means the word of God has to be a foundation for faith on any and every level. Saving faith is where the will of God concerning your salvation is made known to you through the preaching of the word. Now that preaching can be you hearing somebody tell you. It could be you reading it for yourself. But the word of God is the foundation or the basis for the will of God concerning your salvation to be accomplished. But just finding out is not enough. You've got to take action. Well, what is that action? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and that's where the will of God is known by the word and the second part, you confess Jesus as your Lord, you shall be saved. There's the confession of your mouth. In other words, faith has to be released to the spoken word. Faith in the revealed will of God has to be released to the spoken word for the desired, for the revealed will of God result to come to pass in your life. Same thing's true where healing is concerned. Healing comes, the, the revelation of healing, God's will for your healing comes to pass or comes to you through the word of God, which tells us that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, among other things. Once you know that the Word of God reveals to you that it's God's will for you to be healed, then 
You've got something to act on, but you still have to act. How do we act? Same way you acted to get saved. You confess Jesus as your healer, or you confess your healing. They're one and the same thing. And what happens? Healing, the power to bring about healing in your body is released to affect that result. Same thing's true where finances are concerned. The Word of God reveals God's will to provide for you and supply all your needs. But just knowing the will of God is not enough. You've got to act on it. How do you act on it? You speak from your heart according to what the will of God has been revealed. Now, some, when I say that, I'd have to be careful because some people think the will of God is different for one person than it is for another person. Well, it's not in the area of salvation. The Bible says God wills, uh, it's the will of God for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we know that the word of God concerning salvation is for everybody. The Bible says Jesus took our, means everybody's, infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we know the word of God reveals that the will of God is for all men to be saved. Same thing is true where prosperity or provision is concerned. Same thing is true for every area or every aspect of, um, of work that was accomplished through the sacrifice of Jesus. Well, what about this manifestation of faith that 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about? Well, it's the same thing in essence, but there's a difference. It's a special manifestation of the Spirit. Now, why is it a special manifestation of the Spirit? Because it goes beyond the written word. It goes in some means or some manner beyond the written word to reveal the will of God for the hearer, the, the recipient, to speak it out for a, to produce a miraculous result. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. I'm going to turn back to 1 Kings chapter 17. There are many examples, and I don't believe that it's our purpose tonight to go through a whole lot of them, but I'll show you enough so that you get a an understanding of what we're talking about. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And that's it. That's the introduction we have to the prophet named Elijah. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything about him. We don't know his heritage. We don't know his background. We don't know, don't know his qualifications. He shows up on the scene and says, it's not going to rain again until I say so. Now, can I ask you a question? How would anybody have a foundation, I mean a legitimate foundation, anybody can say anything. You understand that, of course. But how could anybody say something like that on God's behalf with confidence that that was the way it was going to be Unless God has revealed through his word, spoken to his heart, that that's the way it is. My point is very simply this. God has got to have told Elijah what to say for him to know what to say to the king. He's got to have revealed what's going to happen so that Elijah can mix faith with it, this manifestation of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's true whether it's the written word printed on the page in the Bible that's in your lap. Or God speaking to your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. For Elijah to say to the king, it's not going to rain for years until I say so. He has to have been revealed to him or has to have had the, the will of God revealed to him in this area. Can we agree on that? Okay, the next thing that it says is the word of the Lord came unto Elijah saying, 
Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Well, we assume that the same thing has happened regarding the rain. The word of the Lord must have come to him and told him what the deal was. So he told Ahab, the wicked king. And now the Lord says, now here's what I'm going to do for you during the drought. Go by the brook, Cherith, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you. You can drink of the water as long as it's running. And the ravens will bring you food. Folks, do you realize what a miracle that is? Do you realize the miraculous result that ravens are going to bring him food? Forget the fact that they're unclean birds. Forget the fact that it contradicts the law of Moses in touching anything that, that an unclean animal has had contact with. Forget all that. That's not even our subject. Scavengers don't share food. But the ravens are going to bring him food morning and evening. So what does Elijah do? We don't have any record that Elijah said anything, but he acted on it because he went to the brook Cherith. So he acted in obedience to what God told him things would be, and it worked just exactly the way that, he, that God said. Here's a manifestation of special faith. Elijah had to have faith to receive it, and the miracle was a result. Now the water starts drying up. In verse 7, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's the great daily plan there. Gather two sticks, make a fire, cook a little piece of, a little piece of cornbread, and eat it and die. I'm sure she had those things ready to mark off on her daytimer. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make, thee, make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. How does he know what to tell this woman? Because God's already revealed it to him. The will of God has already been revealed to him by the word of God spoken to his heart. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now one person defined the gift of faith or manifestation of special faith, and I like this. I don't think it's the only definition you can use, but it certainly helps us understand he said, it's when God honors a man's word as his own. It's when God honors a man's word as his own. Well, you can see that in three different instances here. Two, well, two specifically where he spoke it, and the other he just acted in obedience to what God told him. 
Now, some, uh, some may say, well, what's the difference in the gift of faith or special faith and working of miracles if miracles are the result of both? Well, there's a good example in the Old Testament, and I'll just refer you to what you already know. Samson was operating in the working of miracles when he faced a lion. He worked a miracle to stop the lion, the ferociousness of a lion, by grabbing it and separating it from his jaws or by his jaws. He just ripped the thing apart, and he died. That was the working of miracles. Samson did something to affect the miraculous results. But the other situation, somebody else that faced a lion was Daniel, who was thrown in the lion's den for praying. Daniel didn't do anything. He answered the next morning when the king came out to see if he was okay. He answered and said, the angel of the Lord shut the lion's mouths. Now what was that? That was a manifestation of special faith. It's the working of the Holy Ghost, a different type of working, but Daniel didn't do anything. Now, some people might say, well, the lions must not have been hungry. Well, they were by the time they threw those other guys in right after Daniel came out. So it was a manifestation of miraculous power. One was accomplished through action. The other was accomplished, or we might say the other was received by faith. Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 3. This is really the thing, all that was just introduction. This is really what I want to get to and what I felt like the Lord was leading me to do tonight. Acts chapter 3. This is after the day of Pentecost. We don't know exactly how long, but a short time after we would assume. Where the Holy Ghost has been poured out. It says, now Peter and John went up together, verse 1. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he, the crippled man, gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Well, what's he expecting to receive? Apparently, he expects to receive money. Because Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Doesn't mean they were broke. It means they didn't bring money to the temple. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 9. We see a miraculous result. And if we were just to take that one instance, there's no way that we could know for sure what it was, what manifestation of the Spirit was taking place. It might have been a gift of healing. It might have been special faith. It, it might have even been working of miracles. You can make an argument for any of those. But now notice in Acts chapter 9, it tells us about Paul, or who was first name Saul, meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus and so forth. It says, beginning in verse 32, and it came to pass as Peter, same guy as in chapter 3, came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. I love how the Bible says people were sick of the palsy. It didn't say he's sick with the palsy, it says sick of it. Sometimes people have to get sick of what they've got to receive. 
He was sick of the palsy, and Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was was nigh or near unto Joppa, And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing all the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when they had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. Now one thing's for sure, folks. There's no way. It's impossible to raise the dead without the manifestation of special faith. And this is where a lot of people have gotten themselves in trouble. Because they thought that raising the dead was part of the Great Commission. And so they've gone into situations after somebody died and tried to do it on their own faith. And it never works. It never works. It takes a special revelation of the will of God in, in any uh, situation regarding death for the, special, for, the, for the raising of the dead to take place, the miraculous result of the raising of the dead to take place. So you know for sure that this last one was the gift of faith. Now, if that's true, and we know that there are gifts that are given by the Spirit or ministries, if we know that there are administrations or offices that are given by Jesus, and that there are operations, different operations that are given by God, we can see very clearly that there's a, a common theme or a common thread that runs through these stories about Peter. We know it involves the gift of faith because of the raising of the dead. So that would lend credibility to the argument that it's the gift of faith in operation in Acts 3 and earlier in Acts chapter 9. Now, Assuming that's the case, for the sake of argument, let's assume that's the case for a moment. And notice how the gift of faith operated with Aeneas. Peter comes to a guy. It's interesting that he's crippled too, just like the guy in Acts chapter 3. He comes to Aeneas and says to him, what does he say? Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Now that can be interpreted or translated different ways. It can be translated, Jesus Christ healed thee. As a matter of fact, I think that's the best translation, and here's why. Because it's exactly the wording in the Greek. It's exactly the same wording in exactly the same order as 1 Peter 2.24, where Peter writes to the church and says that Jesus was hanging on the tree for us and that with his stripes we were healed. It's the same exact phrase in the same exact order where he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ healed thee. Jesus Christ healed thee. Now, what is it about telling somebody that Jesus healed them? I mean, we could say that to anybody and everybody, couldn't we? And should. But what is it about saying that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses that creates a miracle result in this guy's case? It's 
It's got to be something more than just saying, oh, by the way, the Word of God says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. It's got to be a manifestation of the Holy Ghost because of the miraculous result. Got to be. Absolutely has to be. Now, here's another question. If Peter can make that work anytime he wants to, why doesn't he get every cripple healed in, Ju- in Jerusalem and in Joppa and in Lydda too? Here's one thing that, uh, uh, that I've had a little bit of experience with working with Brother Hagen. We were in a meeting in Philadelphia. And in this meeting in Philadelphia, it was the last year I worked with him. And in this meeting, there was, the way the auditorium was set up, it was similar to this. And off to one side, there was a, a section set up where people with wheelchairs or stretchers or uh, things along those lines, cots, there was one guy on a cot, were set up off to the side. And we'd always make a place for people with wheelchairs uh, off to the side, up, to the, up close to the front where they could see and have a good seat. And that was normal operation for us. But uh, on this occasion, there were a number of people, I think there were four people in wheelchairs. And Brother Higgins ministering along, just minding his own business. Like I said, it's very similar setup here. The only difference would have been the platform was much higher. But the room was set up sideways like our auditorium is. And Brother Higgins over here ministering, hanging his toes off the edge like he does, talking to somebody over here. And all of a sudden, he wheeled around and pointed at a lady over there, one of the four people in the wheelchair. There were two ladies, four wheelchairs. Pointed to one of the ladies and said, Ma'am, you there in the wheelchair. So she pointed. She said, Me? Me? Yeah, yeah, you. Well, the other one, woman sitting next to her in the wheelchair thought he was talking to her. So they're both pointing at each other, pointing at themselves, saying, me, me, you're talking to me. Finally, she said, no, 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 not you, you right there in the blue. So finally, she identified who she was. He pointed at her, and he said, now, he dropped her hand, dropped his hand. He said, now, I'm going to point at you again. And when I do, the healing power of God is going to come on you, and you're going to walk out of that wheelchair. Well, all the time I'm making my way over, I can see this is going on and it's taking a little bit of time. So I made, had enough time to get over to where she was. And uh, so I'm standing next to her wheelchair by the time Brother Hagen raises his hand and points at her again. So he does, he points at her and starts saying, walk in Jesus' name, walk in Jesus' name, walk in Jesus' name. She's sitting there in the wheelchair and she looks up at me and she says, I can't walk. So you can see very clearly it's not her faith that's going to do anything. She says, I can't walk. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, all I know is what he said. He said, when he pointed at you again, the healing power of God would come on you and you'd walk out of the chair. I said, let's go for a walk. So I helped her up. I say helped her up, or I lifted her up. There's no effort. She's making an effort, I guess, but there's no work being done on her part. I lifted her up, got her on her feet. She hadn't walked in several years, we found out later, and so she was unsteady. She didn't know what to do. And so she said, uh, she said, what do I do now? Brother Hagin's on the platform saying, walk in Jesus' name, walk in Jesus' name, walk in Jesus' name. I said, I think we better walk. So I'm carrying this woman. I put Literally, I put her on my hip. I've got one arm around her this way, and I'm kind of lifting her and swinging her along. Lifting her, swinging her along. Brother Hagin's saying the same thing. Walk in Jesus' name. And then he started saying this. He said, the further you go, the better you'll get. The further you go, the better you'll get. Well, somewhere along the way, about halfway across the front, I guess, maybe. Somewhere along the way, I felt that she was not the same burden or the same weight on me that she was before. I'm thinking, how long am I going to have to carry her? And how, how, how far am I going to be able to go? 
she's been immobile for a, a period of time, and so it's, uh, well, how do I say this delicately? She was not easy to carry. So I'm really saying, I mean, really, I'm thinking, Lord, something's going to have to happen here. I don't know how far I can go with this. But then I realized, hey, wait a minute. She's doing some of this herself. So I started letting it go a little bit. We didn't get three quarters of the way across, and I had turned loose of her altogether. By the time she got to the, end, to the other side where Brother Hagen was, she had turned around and made the, made the uh, turn on her own, and I'm standing back into the chairs, in the aisle of the chairs, not even close enough to help her. She's going just as good as she can go. She's walking like she's walked all of her life. Finally, when she got back to the end, I kind of, kind of trailed her and got back over here. She made two trips across the front, Came back to where she was. It was, you know, pretty much over by then. Everybody's jumping and hollering. Everybody's glad and excited to see the miracle and that kind of stuff. She got back over to where she was. And uh, I had, in the meantime, I'd gotten her a chair. I didn't want her to sit back in the wheelchair. I didn't want her to get a picture of sitting back in the wheelchair again. So I moved the wheelchair out of the way and had a chair waiting for her. She says, I can't believe it. We can tell it wasn't her faith that did it. Well, somebody's faith had to do it. Whose was it? Brother Hagin said of it later on, he said, now, folks, if I'd done that on my own faith, I'd have, I'd have done it for all of them. There are four people sitting over there. I wouldn't single one of them out. I'd, if I did it on my own faith, I'd have been able to do it for everybody. But it was a manifestation of the Spirit, specifically for that time, where God honored Brother Hagin's words as if they were his own, because he's the one who revealed his will to him. Now, I've seen this work two different ways. One is, just like we've explained, where the Holy Ghost comes on someone. Oh, by the way, maybe I should point this out. You remember over in Acts chapter 4, as a result of the man being healed at the uh, beautiful gate, how Peter and John were called before the council and they were beaten and threatened not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus? It tells how they went back to their own company and prayed. The place was shaken where they were uh, assembled together. They prayed Lord, grant unto your servants boldness that with all, uh, that grant unto your servants to speak the word of God with boldness by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. Chapter 5 tells us, I'm not sure what verse it is, maybe I ought to look it up. But chapter 5 tells us the, the, the result of that prayer. It says here in uh, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Now notice verse 15. Insomuch, these are part of the miracles and the signs and wonders that are being done as a result of their prayer. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into streets, into the streets, and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Isn't it interesting that these people are still cripples too? The ones that were healed were cripples. There came also a multitude, not the only ones that were healed though, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, doesn't tell us what they were sick with, but all kinds of things I guess, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Now, here's the reason I wanted to show you that, because of the two ways that I've seen this work. Remember, we just read in 1 Corinthians 12, it'd be about verse uh, 8 or 9, I guess, where it says there are diversities of operations. 
but the same God which worketh all in all? Here's what that means. That means you can have the same gift of faith, the same special manifestation of faith, manifestation of the Holy Ghost, that works in different ways in different situations. For example, we've talked about when the, the Spirit of God came on Brother Hagen to, to uh, speak to that woman and she got out of the wheelchair and walked around. She was saying just several days after, she'd come by the book table every day and say hello to the folks. She was, it was like she was living in a dream world. She said several days after, I still can't believe it happened. Still can't believe it happened. An interesting side note is the next year, I wasn't with Brother Hagen then. We had already left and uh, were traveling on the field. But the next year they came to Philadelphia, almost the same exact thing happened. There was a section of wheelchairs over there. I don't know how many people there were. I wasn't in the meeting. But Brother Hagen pointed to one of them and told her to walk. And she did. One person out of the group. Not everybody, but one. See, here's a problem with some people. Some people hear stories like that and say, well, that's the way I want it to work for me. Well, I bet those other people sitting in wheelchairs wanted to work for them that way too. You can't dictate to God. It's the Holy Ghost that brings about those manifestations. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But those work according to his will, not according to yours or mine. As Brother Hagin said, if he could do that for everybody, he would. But it's not in his power. He cooperates with the Holy Ghost when it comes upon him, when that uh, manifestation of the Spirit would come upon him, he'd cooperate with him and do what the Lord revealed to him to do. But he couldn't bring it on himself. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you could bring it on yourself whenever you wanted to? Man, you could make a name for yourself that way, couldn't you? Which is why it doesn't work that way. However, there are differences of administrations. There are different offices. Here's what that means. This means, specifically... That the manifestation of the Spirit, and I guess it works with all the others as well, but the manifestation of the Spirit will sometimes come on people, individuals, as the Spirit wills to produce a miracle or for a miracle to be received. Maybe that's a better way to say it. For a miracle to be received, maybe a miracle of healing could, be, could work in other areas as well. But let's, call it, let's talk about healing since this is healing school. The Spirit of God will manifest Himself to reveal the will of God to someone, to bring about a miraculous healing result. But then there are other people, like Smith Wilkersworth, I think Peter's a good example here that we could draw from, that seem to have a ministry along those lines. Now, Smith Wilkersworth was called the Apostle of Faith. He never gave himself that title, and he, did, he shunned it when people would call him that. He didn't like it. But people recognized that it was his faith that was bringing about miraculous results. Now, somebody asked Wigglesworth about this one time. They said, what's it like to have the gift of faith? And he said, I don't know. I don't have it. Well, they were shocked. They said, you mean there's not a special manifestation of the Holy Ghost on you in the area of faith? And he said, no, not that I know of. And they asked him further. They, this was a group of ministers that asked him this. And they said, well, then how are you able to get the miracles and the healing miracles that you get wherever you go? He said, it's the power of the word. Now let me ask you a question. If you could develop faith in the word of God to get healing miracles for anybody and everybody no matter where you go, why don't more of us develop that? And what scripture is it that you take to build your faith to that, to that level? Man, I want to know that. Don't you? Well, folks, if I can say this humbly, I will. I know every scripture there is about building your faith in the area of healing. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I know everything the way that I should know or the way that I could know. But I'm aware of every scripture possible in the Bible to build your faith in the area of healing. I'm still in the process and will continually be in the process of doing that for the rest of my life. But it would seem to me if it was something that you could develop on your own, then there'd be a lot more people doing it. Now, I think what it is is this. No knock on Brother Wigglesworth. But I think we know some more about things now than they knew back then. And I think in his case particularly, it was a way that God used him in such a way that he wasn't conscious of it. For example, there was a, there's somebody that used to work with Brother Hagen that was given to psalms and writing spiritual songs and stuff like that. Well, he used to make fun of other people for not doing it. He used to say, I don't have anything special. Everybody ought to do this. Well, it was obvious to the rest of us that are not musically inclined that he did have something special. That it's not just a matter of developing your faith and making it happen. Now, don't get me wrong. Anybody and everybody can get songs and songs from the Lord, but it's on a much different level than the ones he got. See, I've made up songs throughout my Christian life. Well, I, I should say since I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll make up songs and have made up songs, been things that have been given to me by the Spirit of God, but they're all just for me. I wouldn't dare sing them out in public because they're silly little things. They're just for me. And they usually have specific meanings related to the things that I'm going through at the time that I got them. But he'd get things that would lift whole congregations. Well, like I said, he used to make a fun of other people for not doing it. He used to say, anybody can do what I'm doing. But in reality, he had something, a special manifestation of the Holy Ghost upon him a special administration perhaps upon him that he wasn't conscious of. I think that's possible in every area. I think that's what happened with Wilkesworth. I think that he had a ministry of special faith and it just seemed natural to him so he wasn't conscious of anything else that he had or anything that he had that was different from what anybody else could have. Are you there? Now, I had the gift of faith or special faith. I say I don't like that term, but I keep using it, don't I? I've had special faith operate through me in a couple of occasions on a much lower level. There have uh, been a couple of times, one time I can remember specifically, where a guy came and he had back trouble. And when he told me, he came after a service, it wasn't a healing service or anything, just Sunday morning service. He came up after the service. He said, Pastor Mike, he said, I've had, uh, I threw my back out. My back is really, really hurting me right now. And he said, I remember when I asked you to lay hands on me and pray for me once before when this happened. He said, I was instantly healed. He said, I want you to lay hands on me again. Well, I can't tell you what it was about it, but I knew before he finished talking, I knew as soon as I touched him, he was going to be healed. Knew it. And I wish I knew that about everybody I laid hands on. But I knew it. If you threatened to beat me to death unless I denied it, I would have been dead from a beating. I just knew that I knew. Well, I just touched him, just touched his hand, touched his forehead and put the other hand on his back. He started bending over and doing all kinds of things he wasn't able to do. He was healed instantly. Another situation was during a healing service. There was a woman that came that had a tumor. And she came and she said that she was scheduled to go back to the doctor. And the doctor had told her this, that, and the other about the tumor. It's cancerous tumor, malignant, and so forth. And so she said, I want you to lay hands on me. And I said, all right, I'll be glad to. 
Now, usually I'll ask people what they're believing for or what they're standing on or something like that, but I didn't even bother. Because, again, I knew that I knew that I knew. As soon as I touched that woman, she's going to be healed. Now, I laid hands on her and, and uh, commanded the tumor to disappear. Cursed it and commanded it to disappear. And I heard from her three days later. Now, I don't know if she was healed instantly or not. Maybe she was. It wasn't something you could feel. It was an eternal thing. So I don't know if she was healed instantly or if she was healed over the next three days. But three days later, she went to the doctor. And the doctor told her, after doing checkups and tests and x-rays and all that kind of stuff, that it didn't exist anymore. Man, I wish I could give that to myself all the time. Well, apparently, Wigglesworth had that. Apparently, the way that God has used me up to this point in that area is a whole lot different than the way he used him. That was the ministry that he had. That's just a part of what I've got or have had up to this point. Amen? Now, why are you teaching on this stuff, Pastor Mike? I don't know. But I know this. I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I know if we don't teach on these manifestations of spirit, we've been praying for them for years. If we don't teach on them, then people won't have faith to receive them. Maybe we need to teach on them more. Maybe that's the whole point. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that the Holy Ghost is still manifesting himself in the church. Lord, we thank you for special manifestations of revelation, special manifestations of utterance, and special manifestations of power. We thank you, Lord. We give you free course and free reign, Holy Spirit, to manifest yourself in us and through us, to do according to your will, to bring healing to the sick, and to sweep people into the kingdom of God. We love you, Lord. We yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' precious name. Why don't we stand and let's lift our hands and just worship the Lord for a moment. See if there's anything he'd have us to do before we go. I've obeyed what God told me up to this point. Hallelujah. Lord, we magnify your name. Lord, we recognize you, believe in you, and confess you as our healer as well as our Savior. We declare that according to the word of God, we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we rely on you. We rely on the goodness and the mercy of God. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us into all truth, guiding us into the truth of the manifestations of the Spirit, the reality thereof. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus.
Lift the burden, Lord. Take the yoke from off her neck. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we've obeyed you. We've done what you told us to do, taught what you gave us to teach. Holy Spirit, I thank you for working in the lives of the people of this church. I thank you for moving through our church with a healing wave. 
to heal every sick person among us, to raise up everyone. Thank you, Lord, for doing a great and mighty work. We declare that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. I declare, even as Peter spoke to Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh us whole. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing a work, a great work, an awesome work, so that everyone everywhere knows that you're among us and sees your power and glorifies you for the results. Thank you, Father, for making it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you can't tell what's happened by what you can see. All I know is this is what the Lord told us to do. So there had to be a reason. Had to be a purpose behind it. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Now say this. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.